everybody. It's LOI Central with Dan and Johnny. So, hello there. You're very welcome. It's episode 28, series 7 of LOI Central. And you may notice that Johnny Ward is not here this week. If some people might have seen our Instagram this week, uh, I mentioned there was a poll that Johnny is on holidays. Is he in Bilbao or is he in Belfield? I don't know what why he was wearing around. He was wearing some traditional garb, um, and he was very offended that a lot of people suggested he was wearing a bib for his dinner, um, which he wasn't too happy with. The long story short is that Johnny is away this week, and he is in Bilbao. He was not in Belfield. Uh, he continues to miss Galway United victories, um, but in his absence, we decided to go for a, a sort of a, a seasoned veteran uh, of journalism of life, and also a second appearance on this show this season. Gary Doyle, how are you getting on? Flattered by the above description and flattered to be uh, welcome back to LOI Central. Yeah. Central is our current is our current incarnation. Yes, it is. Yeah. 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 Soon to be on Netflix and all the rest. Season seven. If, if they can make a documentary out of Wrexham, they can make a documentary out of Johnny Ward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, look, we have a lot to get through this week, primarily because I wanted to get someone who was at both penalty shootouts involving Derry last week that wasn't a Derry player or management uh, member. And, and you were there. But just before I get to that, as ever, this is in association with our sponsors from, from Future Ticketing. Um, from Collar and Cuff, uh, the mailbag uh, prize is to come, and also the free shirt and tie. If you go in and mention us with Decky and Tarascal's Brewing in uh, Inchicore, as I've mentioned previously, uh, the, the beer and rock music festival aptly called Rocktoberfest that's coming up on September the 23rd. Go to rascalsbrewing.com for full details and tickets. So, as ever, we're very grateful to our sponsors. And Gary, yeah, I mean, you were following the Derry trail of misery last week I was at the game on Thursday and that was hard going you know like difficult to see them go out that way I think it was a very even tie myself and and they had the chances to win it but it was you know a fair enough contest and but Sunday now I must admit I saw most of the game on Sunday but not all of it but what I saw Derry were the better team Rory Higgins afterwards quite critically felt the Pats just sat in and Tell me about it. Tell me about your impressions of the week generally, Thursday and Sunday. Well, first impression is I think Derry are a crack inside, uh, which wouldn't have been an opinion that I've had in May when I felt their passing was a little bit laboured and a bit too conservative, weren't taking enough risks in matches. Uh, but in their defence, at that stage of the season, they were suffering from a good bit of injuries. Like, uh, I think after 23 games of the season, Colony had only played eight times for them. Cameron Dun- Dunigan had only played six times. Duffy had only started 11 league matches. Patrick McElhaney, 10. So when you get... When any team loses its best players, it's going to have a negative impact. And that certainly was the case with Derry. Um, on Thursday, I thought they played really well against a decent side. Now... I've seen a bit of stuff on social media about how people weren't paying much respect to to Derry's opponents from Kazakhstan, Tobol. But I have a theory on this, Dan, and my theory is this, that if people don't know the name, if the name of the club isn't famous, in other words, if it doesn't have a history, they tend to be disregarded in this country and also in the UK 
mainly because people don't have a deep knowledge of them, therefore they think they're not terribly good. I thought Tobel were a more than reasonable side, and they posed questions of Derry tactically, which I thought Higgins answered pretty well on the night in terms of beating their press when they when they tried to pressurise Brian Maher. I thought Maher's distribution was extraordinarily good, and that sort of set the tone, dictated the terms and conditions of the match to a large extent, and his ability to pick out passes uh, to beat the press, to get the ball out to the wingers and, you know, just to, to put Derry on the front foot. Um, the clear thing from both uh, Thursday and Sunday for me, Dan, is the fact that the game went 200, the two games lasted 240 minutes. Derry scored only once. They lack a Liam Coyle. They lack uh, a Jason Byrne. They lack one of those strikers that define seasons that win the league. It was a penalty. Like, that's the thing about yeah. the goal. And actually, if you... If you yeah. Like, like, to draw the game in the middle, okay, that ruins the stat. But you go back to the 90 minutes yeah. of Kazakhstan without scoring as well, too. I mean, look, I know every every team feels like they're looking for a striker. We could probably talk about Rovers. Do they need, like, a real clinical striker? Pats definitely need one. Um, okay, Bowes probably don't. It's interesting. You put Afalabi in his form in that Derry... Uh, team and you kind of wonder how they would get on and who been okay hasn't had a fantastic season but he's still maybe he's actually happier outside the box in some ways as he gets a bit older um, and shells have played but a striker at times with Sean Boyd injured but it does feel more pronounced with Derry they've dropped a lot of points this season and last in games like Sunday to me where they're camped around in fact they had another game against Pats last year where it was very similar they just don't look like they're going to score as much as they're putting on a lot of pressure I, I agree with pretty much everything you said, and yet on Sunday, like they hit the post with the inside of the post as well with the free kick with nine minutes to go. They dominated the game, which came within 72 hours of the European match, and they didn't get back to Derry from Dublin until three in the morning. Add to that the psychological impact of crashing out of Europe on the back of winning a match. And you really were asking, could they bounce back? Would their performance be flat? And it wasn't. It was the, the opposite. They were really, really impressive. So there's nothing black and white about this dairy issue at the minute in the sense that they're in the, they're in the mix for the title race. They did really well in Europe, and yet they go out with a feeling of we should have went further, that we could have made a real impact. We could have become the first Irish team to get through two or three two-legged ties in Europe. So there is a sense of missed opportunity around Derry at the minute. And the big question this week is how is Higgins going to pick his players up? He has to be more of a psychologist than a tactician this week because they played really well in two matches. They haven't lost and yet they're out of two competitions. And I think that's pretty much unique in... In, in my memory, anyway, of covering the League of Ireland, whereby teams have, have crashed out without losing. Like, crashed out, not of one competition, but two within four days. It's, it's pretty extraordinary. So this, this weekend is, without doubt, the most fascinating weekend of the season. Because you really... The, like, Bowes Derry is a huge match. Dundalk-Rovers is could be a season-defining match for, for Dundalk. And amidst all this... Some paths have really crept into the title race as well. So you've got five teams in the mix for the league. And I don't think that's happened in my memory where you've had five. It's certainly the most interesting title race I can remember since 2006 when four teams went at it right to the end.
Yeah, and like the thing is, we also have draw down Cork on Friday, which I know is the other end of the table. But like, there's a there's a there's a lot going on this week, um, and a lot to discuss. Do you know what I'll do? I think we'll do. I think we'll just move along to the mailbag because that gives us a chance to uh, cover a lot of other topics. Hey, what's the time? It's mailbag time. A big bag of electronic letters. Yeah. So the mailbag this week. A couple of things here, and this is comes back to you on Sunday, but a lot of comments around the Derry game. Um, you know, Dermot O'Leary was talking about found it hard to take the loss after in the better team in both games. That being said, if you don't do it a normal play, then it all goes out the window. I should clarify when I say that Derry didn't look like scoring on Sunday, it's just more the sense of they, they don't have a great record for like clinically sort of taking a team out. As then I can't think of too many games that Derry have played in the last two years where they've sucker punched someone maybe one game against Shells last year and it's like our oh, typical Derry whereas Rovers have this history of all these late goals and maybe Derry have picked up the odd win at times that way but it feels like they draw a lot of games they should win but Rob Cullen bad form by Derry players towards Pat's players during the shootout did you see any of this and there was a reference to the Derry goalkeeping coach um, delaying kicks being taken with his presence behind the goal in the European game I and mean, that definitely was true Um it feels like the penalty shootouts themselves. I know people say it's a lottery, right? But it's 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 not. There's more to it. They they just they did lose the all the key battles. Really, it felt in the shootouts, and it, even the players who went up on Sunday, like I, I saw Michael Duffy go up. I don't think he's regarded as a great penalty taker. I think Vinnie Pard was saying that last week. Mark Connolly, I wonder did he feel like he needed to go up because he, he was too cramped to go up last week. It just and the Thursday it just didn't seem right. But I don't know. Did you see any gold in or anything like that? I didn't see the the point that was mentioned in the mailbag. I didn't see it. Um in my defense where I was sitting in the press box, I didn't I was I was, you know, was typing furiously and at the same time I was I was watching the shootout. So I didn't have an angle of what was happening. I didn't get a good view of it. That's not to say that it didn't happen. Like it wouldn't be mentioned on, unless somebody did have a have a have a view of what happened. Um, Derry did not look like winning the shootout on Sunday, but uh, sorry, they didn't look like winning the shootout on Thursday. In my view, I felt all their players going up had the weight of expectations on their shoulders. On Sunday, it looked like they were going to do it, and they were they were ahead three two, and then they missed their last two penalties. You know, is it a lottery, Dan? No, it's not a lottery, but um, I don't think it defines teams. Even if they lose, I don't think it is an issue that you can you can beat them with a stick with. You know, it's 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 pretty much bad luck in my view. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's funny. We had a question, you know, what's the best goalkeeper in the league in the last 30 years? I know you're a big fan of Mar. I do think, like, it's probably one of those where, I'm, like, if his shot stopping was as good as his technical ability you know in his distribution he probably wouldn't be in the league you know there's there's always this element that if he was the all round all round package like because his I think his, his distribution probably is like Premier League class you know he is it's that good. The flip side is he doesn't have a great record in shootouts you know even with the Ireland 21s that could be very very harsh right I feel like as I'm saying it it's harsh but like he hasn't saved the penalty in the, in, the, in the two and and you just wonder is that just not his main strength like some keepers are great shot stoppers but they're not good in other in other departments you know and I feel for him like I feel for him that, that he had to miss the penalty I don't think he should have been going seventh in Europe I feel like there should have been others and even they were yeah. shouting up to him and he was sort of um, you know 
he was probably in his own zone after conceding penalties and probably a bit sick over that. And then you have to like refocus to a different task, you know. I mean, I know you're a fan, I don't know. Best best goalkeeper in the last 30 years is a slightly different debate. Um, because I mean that's that's going all the way back to what to 93, and you're you're talking, you're in the Dave Henderson era there at the end of Alan O'Neill and stuff. But um we have had some good keepers. I think there's a view that the standard at the moment maybe isn't terrific, but I mean you know, Manus has been a top keeper. Brian Murphy, Shane Supple. I don't know anyone spring to mind from you. I know you were out of the game for a while, but who would stand out for you? Well, Williams was excellent uh, yeah. in his years at Shelburne. Um, Murphy is uh, Brian Murphy is the best keeper I've seen in the league in the in the in the time frame that you've you've mentioned. Uh, with reference to Mar, I think Dan, every player that is in this league is here for a reason. They're here either because they're too young and they haven't been identified yet and they're about to go across, like Mason Melia is, is not going to be here for, for Terry Sorry, much longer. 15 years he looks, of age. He looks, at, 15 he looks incredible. And it's funny what you're talking about, the penalties, in terms of the confidence of players going up. No player, and I mean no player, including Forrester, was more confident in his approach to taking a penalty on Sunday than Melia. It was extraordinary to watch. Even his run-up, he varied the end of his run, did a... A little bit of a, a jinx and just stirred Mar out of it and then dispatched it really, really confident. So there, there's a kid on the move. With reference to Mar and on a flaw, every player in this league has a flaw. That's why they're here. That's not why they're across the way. Like if you look at somebody like Paul Ozan, extraordinarily good player, really clever decision maker, uh, a superb player on League of Ireland terms, didn't get away probably because he didn't get the opportunity. He's a bit of a late developer and probably didn't have that blistering pace that you needed to get away. It's probably the same for Liam Coyle after his injury. With Mar, the issue is his height. If he was another three inches taller, he wouldn't be here. That's mm. probably, that's, I think we're safe enough uh, saying that. Um, you can be, you can, you can't argue with the fact he didn't save a penalty. He missed a penalty. You can't say he had a good penalty shootout. But across the two games, I don't think there's any player that impressed me more than him, Dan. You know, like, mm. I can't emphasise enough how big a factor his distribution is because all of a sudden, teams can press Derry now, but if they do, he's taken three or four, maybe five players out of the game with one pass, and that's a massive thing. And it, it'll it'll then make, make teams reconsider their approach. Will they press? because they know they could be picked off if they do. And if they don't, then that allows the, the Derry defenders to get a bit more time in the ball and to build the play that way. So I think he's hugely, hugely influential. Um, and it, it reminds me, I hate using an analogy with a different sport, but it reminds me of Stephen Cluxon for the Dubs. It mm. really does. He's mm. that good. That's interesting, yeah. No, I really think Derry have a chance of having a crack at the league. I mean, I was at the Virgin Media event earlier. Cameron Domigan was there. Um, he got the short straw, I think, because he lives closest to Dublin. Um, but uh, I think uh, he reckons they need to win eight out of their last ten games to win the league. Now, I don't know if they need to win that many, but like maybe they do. I think they certainly probably need to beat Rovers on the on the fifteenth, probably. Which weirdly that now goes ahead that night on the same night, probably as four FEI Cup quarterfinals, because both Derry and Shamrock Rovers are. All right, and that's the point. I mean, the cup. I will say, Graham Merrigan is Derry City season a failure now? No matter what happens, that's a reference to uh, Johnny's reference to Shamrock Rovers season being a failure, even if they win the league. Slightly different for Derry, Graham, and I think you know that too. 
Um, but the FAI Cup, first, Joseph Lennon... It'll be the first league win in 26 years that they do. Yeah, no, so obviously the, not. Graham is a yeah. Shamrock Rovers fan, annoyed by... Uh, right. <laughs> just take a number, Graham. Take a number. Um, but the FAI Cup, I mean, this is the other thing at the weekend. With Joseph Lennon, a few comments in the FAI Cup. I'll run through a couple of them. The league win that needs two yeah. big teams in the FAI Cup final. Any preference? We'll come back to that. James Matt and moved the cup final to earlier in the year. November is guaranteed miserable weather. Um, GA intercounty season over by August Bank holiday. I don't know, James. I think the cup final attendances have been pretty good and the weather has been pretty miserable in August, but we, we don't have Johnny here for the weather watch. Um, never ending again. Could the cup be a start of the season tournament? Give the non-league teams more of a chance? I'm, I'm not sure about that. Um, you could maybe play some earlier rounds. Derek has gone about the promotion. Sports Direct, quarterfinal draws, 12.30 on a Tuesday afternoon. I saw there was around 2,500 people watching that live on YouTube. Which is a lot of, you know, something not bad for a live YouTube stream. But it's true. I, I wonder if Sports Direct have answered the plan in the, the latter stages. And um, yeah, a couple of references to the per results by non-league teams. That's true. Uh, what was it? Alan Burns, five FBI Cup seasons, non-league clubs have one win, zero draws and 43 defeats. What does that say about the Irish football structure? Is the third tier just a pipe team? Will it be a glorified reserve division? I mean, that's a mad stat, Gary, isn't it, really? You think about it, 43 defeats. Yeah, well, I have a theory on that. Well, first, it's when the matches are being played. It's kind of in their off-season or else when they're coming back uh, from or the start of the pre-season. The other thing is that when they were doing... When non-league teams were doing better, like you think back obviously to St. Francis in 1990 and then COVID, that run to the semi-finals. Oh God, I can't remember the year. It was 83 or 84. Um, but back then it was winter football and the League of Ireland top, League of Ireland teams were training twice a week, essentially. Yeah. And pretty much if you were a decent non-league setup, you'd have been training twice a week as well. Now they're coming up against full-time teams. So, by rights, they should be losing. They shouldn't be in the in the mix for for any results. And I'm not going to shed too many tears either of a non-league team failing to defeat the League of Ireland team. It's it's it shouldn't be happening, and you know it's almost embarrassing if it does happen. So it yeah. doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me at all that they're not they're not progressing. Yeah, look, there's a broader point about sort of the drop off there. We've had people on before. Some of the big amateur teams are shrugged. And I watched a bit of some Pat Seaboy against Wexford. Now it wasn't a great pitch. It was a good crowd out. I think sometimes like you'd, you'd, you know, you'd, you need more of a buzz generated around these games too. And I think, yeah, the expectations are probably low. Keith Murphy, Rockman sub booked for mooning at the Bose fans in the mono on Friday. Skid marks and all. What other bizarre yellows and reds can you recall in League of Ireland history? God. The most bizarre one I remember is my first week reporting uh, back in 1998. And a draw player was subsequently booked or possibly even suspended for uh, taking a piss behind the goals at Derry at halftime. So that's the most, that's the most bizarre one that I recall. Like, you know, um, yeah. remember Richie Foran, remember Richie Foran was on a run when he was at Shells and he kept getting sent off. He kept scoring and he kept getting sent off. And this, his tackles were a bit, were a bit juicy and a bit late, but this time he got sent off for, he got booked and he scored a cracking goal and he took his shirt off and those, and he got a yellow, second yellow for taking his shirt off. <laughs> and you were looking at it happen because it was a big sort of celebration. It was winding up. He didn't do it in, instantly. And he got to about the halfway line in front of the referee actually. And then he did it there and then, and you're going, oh Jesus, Richie, don't, don't, don't. And he did it. And you're going, oh God, not again. Richie, yeah. and the referee almost, 
he almost apologized for giving him the yellow card, like you know. Richie Foran playing what a character he was. Shells in the Ollie Byrne era it was a perfect. I think their relationship even was like, I mean, what a duo in their own way. Like Richie was terrific, wasn't he? He was a hell of a character. He was amazing, and he wasn't. He wasn't there that long, Dan. But no. it was the longest ever transfer saga that I that I can recall. Uh, like Aberdeen were about to sign him three or four times and you know he was on Irish under 21 duty and he he missed a curfew by not by terribly much but that got him knocked out of the uh of the under 21 squad and then the deal fell through and he was such a great uh fella such a great player as well that you really wanted him to do well and it looked like he Deal fell through that that was his, his opportunity missed and quite the opposite he uh, he still he still got the chance with Carlisle he had a brilliant career in England and Scotland and uh, pretty much fulfilled his potential but as you say back in those days when Ollie was was at his peak uh, the League of Ireland then was just it was like living on a drama set things to mind the, t- the time that he had a bit of a dust up with with uh, we're Roddy uh, at Tolka, and with sort of the rumor had come back to us that uh, there'd been that uh, that that he had thrown a he had thrown a dig at at Roddy, and Neil O'Riordan from the Irish Sun went down to interview him afterwards and said, "Did something happen, uh, Ollie?" And he, <laughs> no, he didn't even say did something happen. Neil O'Riordan went up to Ollie and said, "Ollie," and <laughs> Ollie said, "I don't know what you're talking about." And Neil said, I haven't asked you a question yet, Ollie. And he goes, and I still don't know what you're talking about, Neil. Would you go away from me? And then Neil goes, Ollie. And he, Ollie took out this handkerchief that was covered in blood, his own blood, like, you know. And he sort of almost almost squeezed it in two and sort of the drub, the blood dripping down. And Neil goes, Ollie, uh, you have a bloody hanky there. And he, he looked at it, then looked at Neil and said, I still don't know what you're talking about. Would you ever F off? <laughs> So that was that was peak Ollie. He was uh, he was brilliant fun. He was brilliant fun. Now all he ever did was threaten me with legal letters and give out to me for things I'd written, and uh, I'd got nothing but abuse from him. And yet he's I just really liked him. He was great yeah, track. Like, you know, know, he was he was he was fantastic for 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 everything for everything for work. You just you just loved every minute of it. Yeah, no, I'm here. You. The league, I mean, the, the, the Joseph Lennon question, the league needs, needs two big teams in the FA Cup final, any preference? I mean, I don't know. I do think the Bowes Pats one again wouldn't be too bad. You know, the, they had a great crowd a couple of years back. I know that's a very Dublin focused one. I think Derry had the potential to bring the biggest crowd of the non Dublin teams. Galway would be fascinating. Dundalk, I think there's just an element. We have Daniel Kelly coming later. I should mention we have Daniel Kelly and Graham Burke coming later. Um, from the Virgin Media launch, and it's, so we'll, we'll we'll touch on that then. But I mean, Dundalk could that start them? Maybe. Um, Cork City, I, I'm just not so sure at the moment. The vibes. I mean, I'm sure the cup final will bring out people. Um, I I like the Bows Pats combo. Um, Pats Dundalk, nah, that'd be tasty enough for a variety of reasons. Bows Dundalk, maybe less so, but still. I think you probably are looking at the combination of those three, I think, in terms of numbers. I don't know. I feel like Galway have a road to travel as a club to get to that stage where they bring a huge cup final crowd. But I don't know, Gary, any strong opinion on that or will we just move on? 
Yeah, a few other cup-related points. Evan, have Cork caused the complete reevaluation re of the standard of this year's first division? Um, I feel that up until last night, most would have expected Waterford to comfortably, comfortably beat Cork in the playoffs if it came to it. I'm not sure about that, Evan. I think we've talked this year in the pod about the first division standard being a concern. Galway certainly hammered UCD, but I, I'm not so sure. Um, I think Waterford are quite inconsistent, but it still might be a different game in a neutral venue if it came to it. In saying that Owen Tubbard, Waterford fan, reality hit Keith Long tonight and Turner's cross Waterford away off the pace of Premier Strugglers Cork City, who will have no fears of a playoff against the team who couldn't even get a shot in 90 minutes. Waterford still living in the darkness of League of Ireland football. A few other comments from various people about the first division playoffs, the format, would it make sense for second place team, Jonathan Rogers says, to go straight to a playoff final, third and fourth play each other. I, 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 I don't know. I, I hear the tinkering ideas. Maybe... Maybe you could go second, third, and fourth. Johnny's idea on that previously wasn't too bad, but the the just the, the the timing of the seasons and fitting in the games is unfortunately very relevant with some clubs who are going to be part-time around that. Um Fergal Cavanaugh talking about a convoluted system in Serie B where whereby if Waterford finished 14 points clear of third, there would be no playoff. Uh, it means the likes of Waterford would never be in no man's land. Yeah, I just don't know about clubs. In this league, um, playing for a playoff and then having none at the end of the season. Like Owen Mulhern had a point. I always hear you advocating for a third tier when surely the main issue is fixture fatigue. I think Bowes have played Shell six times this year. I don't know, Owen, the crowds are still good for these games. Um, would it not be best to extend to a 12-team Premier, preferably Waterford and Galway, and ring fence it for a few years? Uh, obviously, no promotion isn't great, um, but it would allow a pro, well-supported Premier Division to develop. Owen, I don't think the... The uh, ambition is there in Irish football for that not to end up as anything other than teams cutting budgets in a 12-team Premier with no relegation. Uh, I, I wouldn't be a fan of that concept at all, I must admit. Any other business? A few other things. Alan Kelly, do you think Bowes aren't getting enough appreciation on current form to not consider being the title race? Now, my point on this, they haven't won away from home since April still. Uh, I think that might even have been drawn out, which could be relevant for the FEI Cup. But uh, I don't know, Gary, should we be considering them as title challengers? Yeah, definitely, because Afalabi's on form and is scoring more goals now than he was earlier in the season. Just looking at the table, Dan, you've got you've got five teams within five points of each other. I was looking at their last six league results, and this is this is this is pretty interesting. Rovers, who are leading the league by four points, have collected nine points from their last six league games. Pats, second, have collected 11 points. Derry, third, have collected 10 points from six. Bowes have collected 11 from six. Dundalk have collected 11 from six. So nobody is running away from it. We're not seeing any team uh, show the kind of form that Rovers showed in April and May when they won eight league games out of nine. And at that stage, just really looked too experienced, uh, too slick, too confident, pretty much flawless in, in those victories. Like, there are big victories there as well. They beat Derry away 2-0. They won away at Bowes 2-0. They won away at Pats 2-0. Like, I mean, they were showing a real a real meanness in defence and a real uh, intelligence in terms of, of seeing out games once they got ahead. Now, the big difference between then and now is obviously the absence of Jack Byrne and Ferruja. Um, they, that, they are factors that, is, uh, that has brought the pack back towards them. Yet, having talked about a title race, if Rovers beat Dundalk 
on Friday. It goes from five points between them and Dundalk to eight points. And bear in mind that Derry play Bows as well. So that they could drop points there as well. Suddenly, the, by this weekend, the, the shape of the season uh, could look a lot different to how it does this morning. Yeah, and the bad thing is the top six then play each other next week as well. Rovers, Bow, Shells, Pat, Dundalk, Derry next Friday. So it's a, it's a hard time to pick what game to go to, but it's a, a great time for, for meaningful fixtures. Mick O'Mara, is Ollie Horgan getting sent off at 4-0 up away in the Cup, the most Ollie Horgan thing that's ever happened? I can't wait to have him back in the Premier Division. And Conor Egan had one. Um, he was on about, is Ollie Horgan, what's this about Ollie Horgan asking about around this storm, asking about around this storm Betty? That was causing havoc um last week. We've sort of had stormy dalliance before, but uh in the Donald Trump world, Storm Betty did cause havoc last week, but definitely won't be signing for Galway. Um Bray 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 Dundalk was crazy. I mean, bloody hell. But the UCD Galway game being called off. I know people are on about the abandonment rules. Galway were two up, doesn't seem fair, but the rules are I think 70 minutes. Uh, and if not, you restart. I know the fact that Galway were emphatically in control. You feel like it should be this way, but um, I don't know. I, I don't think there's much wrong with the rules there, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Ali Horgan in general, I mean, it would be good to have him back. Uh, but Braden Dock, yeah, I mean, the Daniel Kelly, we, we talk about with Daniel Kelly in due course. I mean, the, the conditions were horrendous at the end of the game, um, and it did look pretty treacherous. And it does bring home the facilities point as well, not to bang the same drum, but I mean, Clearly, like, um, that would have been bad weather in any conditions, but it would have been far more tolerable in Tala. And in fairness, the ground staff at Bray did a great job. That pitch held up reasonably well until the final minutes. Um, but look, it's um, it was a it was a crazy night. But I suppose all's well that ends well in the sense that uh, you know, Cork and Waterford went back ahead on Monday, and and Galway ended up hammering UCD even more. So um. Yeah, Craner, given the per year results, should League of Ireland teams be turning their noses up at other cross board tournaments like the Scottish Challenge Cup? It was assumed these cups were beneath them, but they can be a good barometer of what standard the league is at compared to our neighbours. Sorry, Craner, regular contributor, but that competition was a nonsense. It's a farce. The top five clubs were entering their Colts. And then when Sligo Rovers beat Motherwell last year, you had a lot of these comments from Motherwell fans going, sure, our 21s beat them a couple of years back. But just like I've always travelled over on the day of the game with a joke team, like you cannot, Europe is so important now that you can't suddenly sell some half-baked Tunnock-sponsored cross-border competition as in any way meaningful. It was a consolation prize. I'd love to see more, you know, I'd love to see a return of a of an All-Ireland League concept or a, a proper cross-border competition that is scheduled in such a way. And that's good. That's a good barometer, but I don't know. I, I I wouldn't agree with that that point. I mean, you would like to see an All Ireland competition back, Gary, or, or would you? Or would you? Like, what's your view on that? Um, wouldn't be that fussed about it to be honest with you. Uh, I'd love to see more games between, you know, sp- Spanish clubs, uh, Italian clubs. Not obviously not Serie A or La Liga clubs, but I mean that's how players are going to learn. You're not going to learn anything new playing against Scottish, Welsh. Or our Northern Irish clubs, you're going to learn about players and you're going to learn about managers once you test them against teams with different styles. And uh, it doesn't have to be a meaningful competition. I think just the the idea of of going up and pitting your wits against 
smart managers from uh, from different football cultures is a is a better barometer than going up in an iron brew iron brew competition or whatever the feck it was called. Yeah, like, no, know, it's, it was, a, it was it's all exciting. And the Satanta Cup was brilliant when it started, but by the time it ended, it was just such a slow death that uh nobody nobody misses it like you know yeah yeah aiden vaughn lads any news on how successfully financial LOI tv has been see the poll recently on twitter i think it might be in between the stripes where half of viewers said they were watching via ip tv or fire stick is there a concern that a lack of paying viewers could see an end to the service not an end to the service aiden i think it's here to stay in some shape or form but it definitely does impact on maybe being able to upgrade say the first division facilities and we've talked about earlier this year it's a problem I know it's a cost of living crisis. I know that people paying for Sky, BT, everything, it's expensive. And uh, we're not trying to sort of um, be the TV licensed inspectors here. Um, but it is true that the people subscribing to LOI TV uh, will be viewed as a barometer for interest. And if loads of people are watching it illegally as they are, um, it's it's not ideal in terms of selling that to people, even selling advertising for it. So... Um, look, it's it's just one of these things. Like it's um, you 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 are against the culture of it generally, but then you'll speak to an individual who will explain why they do that because it's the cheapest thing for them to do. And you can understand like it's very expensive to pay for all your subscriptions in Ireland. I get that, so it's tough one. But LOI TV, people complain. Could they make the service better? Could they make an app? Um, it can be difficult to cast. I think there was an issue in the Derry Pats game the weekend where it cut out an extra time. You wouldn't have noticed you were there, Gary. But I think it may have been a case that it came back quicker for subscribers than it did for the uh, the Fire Stick users. And a lot of people were complaining. It's like, yeah, well, how much have you paid for this? Um, so I don't know. There's no perfect answer to it. I know clearly the service is here to stay, though, Aiden. There's no concerns about that. But certainly um, it needs to generate more money. And if loads of people are watching it aren't paying for it, well, then it's not gonna it's not gonna do that. Um. So yeah, that's that's the main thrust of the mailbag stuff. Um, a few references to the third tier. Uh, you know who might play in this, and um, that's sort of a recurring topic. But there's no real clarity on that. In fact, it's quite a few things in the FEI strategy plan that they're running a little bit behind schedule. There's a little bit of impatience out there. Um, academy classification and a couple of uh, things that people would like to see things move uh, and I think as the year goes on there'll be a there'll be a little bit more pressure on on that stuff but um, yeah listen I'm going to move on to our, to our quiz business um, from last week the question was can you name could you name the player who scored the goal for the League of Ireland 11 um, against Manchester United at the Aviva Stadium in the opening match the answer was Dave Mulcahy uh, Thomas Cavanagh was actually in touch. Sorry, Thomas, you haven't won. Um, but he, he made a point about uh, he didn't just score the goal for the League of Ireland 11, but he also scored in the last game at the old Lansdowne. Um, and he, Thomas, got a signed jersey uh, of all the players involved. And then he can't make the signatures out now, which is a bit unfortunate. But Andrew O'Connell, you've won the quiz. You've won the guided tour of Rascals. Um, I think I'll go for Conor Egan with the mailbag prize, the collar and cuff this week. And, th- and this week's question... Um, can you name the last club to reach the FEI Cup final without playing a home tie all season? Um, it's not that far back in the memory, but it's yeah, it's it's not this year or last, or not last year or the year before. Sorry. So um, I think St Pat's are on course to try and do that at the moment. They've been on their travels, but uh, it is a hard thing to do. The one thing about Derry, I feel sorry for them to get out of the cup, 
I didn't realize they played all of their games at home in the competition last season and this season so far. So I don't know, Gary, maybe their luck just ran out a little bit too. Yeah, that's showbiz. Nobody is entitled to to win it. Uh, interestingly, and that's not that, it's, it's mildly interesting. Derry have won since they entered the the league in, in the mid-80s. They've won the cup more often than everybody else. So they've, plus they've practically owned the, the league cup. So they've, They've done pretty well in in those competitions. The big one for them is the league. It's it's just hard to believe that it's it's twenty six years since since they won it. It's hard to believe they've only won it twice, considering yeah. how often they've contended for it over the over the last thirty years. Yeah, that is incredible. Um. So anyway, I was at Virgin Media today. There was a a press event to uh yeah to sort of tie in with the fact they've got three games coming up. Um. Live, they've got Rovers Bow, Shamrock Rovers Bow next Friday. They've got Derry Shamrock Rovers on September the 15th, and then they've got St. Patrick's Athletic against Dundalk on September 22nd. There was a selection of players there, um, and I went to try and catch up with uh, with Graham Burke and with Daniel Kelly. Just so happens they're playing against each other on Friday. Uh, two separate interviews here. We'll start off with Graham Burke and we'll finish up with Daniel Kelly. Um, and yeah, we went through various topics related to the European summer and what's going on at their respective clubs at the moment. Graham Burke, we, we were just talking off air about you still have a little bit of a breakfast club with some of your old uh, some of your old mates from Luke yeah. Byrne and Sean Boyd and who else is in it? You said Ronan Finn. Uh, there's me, Finna, Cavo, Lukey, Boydy. You know, we used to always go to breakfast there. Uh, Together when we were all at Rovers and we've kept that on. And obviously, I met you and Milo yeah. there when me and Cavo. Milo said it. Me and Cavo were having uh, breakfast and Milo was there. So uh, yeah, no, it's a thing. We try, uh, we try to do it most weeks. Sometimes we go weeks without uh, doing it, but we try to do it as often as uh, we can. Can you do it when Rovers play shells? No, though? not really. It's, it's no, off the agenda. Try, yeah, yeah, we try avoid it. Then, like you know, shit chance. So, uh, yeah, no, it's something we we, we regularly keep up. So listen, how are things going for you guys? I mean, it must be so strange for... I guess you would have thought August would have been a very busy week, a busy month for Shamrock yeah. Rovers, and you end up with two weeks off. How, how does that end up feeling? Yeah, it's, it, it's not nice. Yeah, no, but as a player, you know, that uh, that's football. These things, these things happen, you know. We obviously wanted to do what we've done last year in Europe and progress further in the cup and try to get to the Aviva and uh, unfortunately that obviously didn't pan out but you know we were up against a difficult side you know Breda Black were a very very good side which um, people probably would have put us down to being favourites to go yeah. through the toy but you know when you see when they when they came to tell how good they moved the ball and how athletic they were and they caused us a lot of problems and you know that was obviously a big one losing losing that toy because you go away and you know what I mean you know you you have to be solid but you also have to go and chase the game at times you know and unfortunately we conceded there uh, early on in that game and it gave us a mountain to uh, climb and you know which was really really disappointing to take and then the draw obviously we get Ferenc for us which is a yeah a really hard ask considering um, known known them from the previous year you know and obviously we went out of Europe but the cup was a really 
difficult one to take, you know, because we've obviously been to the final twice, and you know, it's a, it's a great day, it's a brilliant day for you and your family, and you know, to get knocked out of that was was really disappointing on a performance, on a performance that um, Warrant was probably winning the game, yeah. but we obviously didn't take our chances on that day. I've obviously had a couple of myself. You know, and you go home kind of disappointed and all, but, but you just have to get on with these things, it happens, and move on to the next challenge, which is obviously was Cork uh, coming up, and you know, you wanted to obviously get back in a routine in the league and get that three points. And you're not obviously starting, but to get off to that start again in the league after Europe and the cup coming to get three points, and that's and that's what we've done. And, it was hard to take considering they like all against uh, Shells because it would have been a great start to coming back to, to the league. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, like, you, you've, you've won the league, so not, I wouldn't say comfortably, you've had to battle, but you're still, like, being comfortable, yeah. sort of league winners the last couple of years. I mean, do you sense other teams are getting encouragement now? Like, do, you, do you listen to any of that noise that, no. that that's happened? Because you've, you've, you have probably dropped more points this year and, and shown a little bit more vulnerabilities than you have in, in recent years. Yeah, that's a challenge with every year. Every year, obviously, brings its own challenges, you know. And we obviously, the past three, have probably won the league by double digits, you know. Yeah. But as every year goes on, teams and teams get stronger and everybody comes and tries to take that prize away from you. And obviously, we had a obviously difficult start to the season, but we, we never panicked. We knew we knew the team we wore and the squad that we had and the experience of coming in. We went on a great a great a great run and things like that. But yeah, we know as a team that teams are gonna get stronger and stronger and, and gonna come and and challenge, but we just fully focus on ourselves. What about yourself? I mean, I'm sure you'd love to play every week. Every player loves to play every yeah. week. Is that is that presented its own difficulties for you the odd week you're sitting on the bench yeah I obviously had uh, times this uh, season where I've sat on the bench week by week for a, for a couple of games and you know it's obviously not nice because every week you uh, want to play but I know how to uh, deal with them things and you just wait for your opportunity to come along and hopefully you can put in a in a performance that uh, Warden just staying uh, in the team and lucky enough in the past uh, couple of weeks I've, I've managed to play regularly and regularly enough so I just need to keep uh, building on uh, on that because obviously last year I have had a lot of uh, injuries last year and things like that which kept me out for a large part of the season so um, I've obviously been available for every single game this season which is, is great yeah, for yeah. me in a fitness sort of uh, aspect but uh, yeah listen obviously there's times you, you sit on the bench that's happens with the squad the squad is so strong that any given uh, time uh, you could start or you could be sitting on the bench but um, I obviously know how to uh, deal with them things and you know every week you got to go in and put your best foot, foot forward and more card and uh, try getting the team sheet for that Friday Are you tied down for next year? Yeah I, I have another yeah I have Obviously, sixteen months left or something like that. This yeah, year, yeah, you're under contract. Yeah, yeah, so I'm under contract. For yeah, this okay. Because I don't know. Again, I don't know how where you are, but people are then looking at the the age profile of this Rovers team now, and just the way it was. Andy Lyons left, Andrew left, and you've quite a lot of senior players, and people are thinking maybe this team needs a rebuild in some ways. 
with that type of stuff annoy you in the dressing room? Or do you feel there's still more to come from this from this group? To, to be honest with you, I wouldn't even something that I would pay any uh, any attention to. You know, obviously you're saying that to me. That I, I don't you're even not, know. Yeah, you don't. Medicine, that's it's not. I wouldn't even know the the age profile of a thing. Or you know what I mean? Or obviously experienced boys, experienced head around this league. You know. And uh, a lot of winners in the team, you know what I mean? It's obviously people that have won with Rovers, people that have won elsewhere. So it's a very uh, experienced team. Um, but the question you've asked, I wouldn't even wouldn't cross your I mind. wouldn't even cross my mind to uh, think that oh, where I don't know the average age of the team. I yeah, don't know, twenty nine. No, that's so fair enough. Yeah. It wouldn't. It wouldn't that's even cross answer. my mind. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, only you saying that with me. Would probably only register with me because I wouldn't. I wouldn't think along. You wouldn't be thinking in those terms. Yeah. No, that's yeah. fair enough. Um, there's nine games to go, and look, I know you said you've won the league by double digits, and I'm sure you'd prefer to be, you know, on that road. But in yeah. some ways, is there a little bit of a buzz as well too that it feels like every game is huge now, even yeah. in your little breakfast club or whatever. Like this Friday, there's like pretty much all the games are big ones, and like yeah. next Friday you're looking Rovers, Bowes, Shells, Pats. Like, is there something that's actually special about that too that you've got a lot to look yeah, forward to it's, it's obviously it's, a, it's a, an exciting time all big games and as, as players you want to play in big games we're a lot on the, we're a lot on the line and that's what it is you know we obviously have Dundalk and that's our main focus we won't uh, look forward to uh, anything else but yeah it is business time of the season and you know the league is so close and you have to be fully focused and you have to uh be Roy Are because um, as I say it, it is very close. Yeah, so Daniel Kelly, um I don't know where to start. I mean it's been a sort of a busy month for you guys. I, I don't know, like how do you reflect on Europe maybe for starters? Because that was um you know the balls of, of of getting through the Gibraltar tie but I don't know the Iceland one felt like it was one of his maybe there for you. Yeah I think it's gonna be the one that got away to be fair uh, we're a little bit disappointed I think over the two legs we actually dominated both games. It was just in terms of the goals we gave up weren't really weren't good goals on their behalf. But um, I think the first leg was the one probably that that killed us the most rather than the home leg. But um, listen, it's disappointing. I think over the course of the two legs, I think our xG was very high compared to their xG was very low, and it was just it was just one of those games. But we learn from it. As I said, we're a young group, so um, it's something to to try and improve on for, ne- for next year um, so what I mean, the rest of the season then I mean I, I, sorry I probably should go back to Bray then on mm. Friday is the next thing I mean the last thing I saw on Bray on Friday was you getting tackled by a puddle the conditions were pretty yeah. incredible yeah um, it was I think I was actually expecting it we were coming out for the second I had changed my full kit at half time I was hoping that the rain might ease off in the second half it just didn't stop it was just like a hurricane there and um, as you said at the end I think Myself and Messi were having a bit of crack. I tried to pass the ball to Pat and the ball didn't move. Then he tried to take a touch and we just fell over each other. But uh, in terms of the the actual game itself, we thought we dominated, to be fair. They had a couple of half chances, but um, overall, in them conditions, I thought we, I thought we were very like very comfortable and uh, we deserved the win. Was that just one of those ties where it's a case of just get in and get out yeah, in those I, conditions? I literally said it to the lads in the changing room. It's literally get in there get out and, and into the next round you you can't dwell on it but um, I don't think you could see probably maybe on the on the actual on the stream how bad it was but uh, if you were there you'd know I think yeah. Dak was in, actually in the stand and he was soaked as well <laughs> so 
there was um, a little flood in front of. Yeah. I went round at half time, and like the, I think I saw your dad there actually, yeah. and there was there was a danger like someone small could drown at the yeah. game, which, <laughs> which would have been a bad story for the league, you know, yeah. facilities wise. But, yeah. Uh, even I think the halfway line there was just a big puddle and then in the corner when that last couple of minutes happened there was just puddles everywhere but in fairness to the groundsman and the pitch it was actually really really good I don't think it's it's on the most, in most um, venues this year if the, that rain obviously the UCD game was called off there was another game called off so credit to Bray um, to be fair there but I think the pitch actually suited us but as you said there was a small bit of puddles yeah what's it like having Darrell Horgan back at the club ah huge obviously I wasn't there now when, course, when he was yeah. forced there but um an unbelievable professional, an unbelievable player. Um, it's huge for the club to get him back. I think it sends out a message as well. Uh, but uh, like for, since he's come in, he's been he's been unbelievable to even even myself uh, and the younger lads. And he's he's he doesn't look look like he's he's slowing down either. He's uh, he's a great asset to the team, and um, I think people will really see the the that Horgan is, is back. Because like. I think you know people remember him when he left here as a as a mm. left winger, but mm. now you see where he's been used. It's a little mm. bit different. Like like you like to mix things up with formations, and he's mm. almost playing as a number 10 at yeah. times and, and you've even been versatile enough like what's the, what's the sort of arrangement like there yeah listen we know he, what, what Daryl can bring he can play out wide he can play inside he can play in the hole he's that, he's that good that um, you can put him anywhere really so um, listen he's been he's, he's obviously hasn't played in a few weeks he's had one game I think before he came to us and he, he'll improve over the last the, his, his improvement over the last couple of weeks has been huge even trying he's so sharp but uh, as you said, the gaffer can he can change it up in terms of formation and setup. So um, listen, once I'm playing, <laughs> I'd be happy if it's on the left, on the right, up front, whatever. But uh, we we do have uh, alternatives to to when we're playing different teams. How many years are you with them, Doc? Now this is fifth year now. Yeah. Fifth. Yeah. Has it flown? Or how does it feel? I feel like it has flown. To be fair, um, I feel I'm getting on now, even though I'm not that old. But uh, it's a great club, huge, um, a huge club. And if we're signed in 2019, obviously. It's it's a different club than what it was then. We were the the main men really in the league. We were winning leagues. We were in Europe. We were winning cups. But um, it's a it's a different setup now. But since Stevie and stuff has and his coaching staff have come in, we've obviously we were a little bit behind over the last couple of years. But we're making a bit a good bit of progress. And it's a young group. And even the Daryl Horgan thing, I I don't think that would have happened a couple of years ago. I don't think Daryl would have come back to mm. Dundalk. So um, it's a it's a big statement. But um, listen, we're. Uh, we're in good form and hopefully we can keep it going the sense is it's hard for some people like even fans to adjust to that that the club's had probably its best decade mm. maybe ever the 70s yeah. is very good you know big success but is there a sense that like it's it's, it's readjusting to mm. now Europe being a good year which some mm. people naturally are mm. being brought up on, on winning trophies and they're not happy it's a, it's a tough balance isn't it yeah it is obviously when you have success you're, the, the fans obviously the only thing they want is success then so when there was after 2020, after we won the the cup, I think that was our last our last trophy, really. So, um, listen, it's tough. I think over the course of the last ten years, the fans are probably a little bit spoiled, to be fair. But mm. um, as I said, we're still in. We're obviously at the end at the start of the season. Our aim was to be as close as we can to to the league. We're still in with a little show. Obviously, Europe is is huge for us. We want to be getting back into Europe. Um, but we're still in the cup. We, uh, I think it's you go into the fourth round of Europa League if you win the cup this year. Yeah, you, you go into the second round of, of, of Europe, but it's right. just it's worth a lot of money. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. So listen, that's it's a, it's a huge aim for us to win the league, regardless of what you get anyway. But it'd be great for the club as well in terms of uh, guaranteeing European football as well. But I think over the next couple of weeks you'll get a real um, 
like outlook on the league in terms of I'd say there were probably two or three teams in with a show in terms of winning the league there's probably five at the moment still in with a show but after the next couple of weeks because I think everybody's playing each other there's a, the league will look probably a little bit different Did you watch the draw together on Tuesday were you training? We were training it? unfortunately but Wardy was down there thankfully he had his phone out so we knew What was the goal? You've got a hell of a goalie contingent there actually there's a, Yeah I think the lads are going back home I think Pat has been calling for the Galway game the last three years <laughs> so uh, he's happy camper and obviously Horgs as well so and Stevie is, is a Galwegian as well so listen we're looking forward to it's a tough draw but I don't think yeah you can complain there's there's, there's, uh, there's tough games all around so um, listen it's not till next month we'll, we obviously we're happy enough with the draw but uh, we'll be focusing on Rovers this week yeah so Gary um, I suppose I mean Graham Burke you know he hasn't played that much he has to be diplomatic about his his position um, he's under contract there was rumours going round about you know, clubs going after players who are out of contract and Graham Burke's name was being mentioned, but he isn't out of contract. Now, Jack Byrne, definitely clubs making advances towards him. And so we'll see what happens there. But um, and Daniel Kelly, I think his point, the most pertinent point there was probably the hangover vibe around Dundalk, which, look, I, I grew up going to Dundalk games and probably at a time where there was a hangover after a successful period the late 80s, early 90s, and even then, they won the league in 95 with, with crowds falling. Um, it's a tough one. You know, they've had an amazing decade. And mm. at the moment, they're still competitive, but there is that sense of, um, I don't know, there's a lack of vibrancy around the club. Crowds are going up everywhere else. Dundalk, you're not getting that vibe when you go there. Yeah, yet only time I've been there this season, Dan, it's coincided with them with them winning the matches that I've reported on, and I've always got a sense that uh, there was always a really good atmosphere at it, and it's it's something that I'd like to ex- extend to to this season in general. Like we have something really really brilliant going on with this league, and it's something that I always feel when you when you're an Irish football person that you have to half apologise for liking Irish football. That you have to say, yeah, but our facilities are crap, or yeah, but the FAI are a pain, you know, they facilitated John Delaney and all that shenanigans over the years. And I get all that. But when you listen to, when you when you cover other sports, you don't get the same uh, sense of um, embarrassment around uh, rugby people and their sport. They sometimes have a bit of a existential crisis about the laws of the game. Gaelic football people definitely do about the laws of their game. But if you listen to hurling people, right, it's like listen to the free Presbyterians in the North in that they believe there's only one God and that's a hurling God and uh, the rest of us are damned to hell because we don't see the beauty of this game. And I don't get that. I really don't. I don't get what's so superior about that sport to football. And I... From being at Irish football this this year, in terms of in a reporting capacity, uh, I just am blown away by how brilliant the sense of community is around all the clubs, the crowds, the vibrancy at, at games. And I used to always feel it was more vibrant outside of Dublin than it was uh, inside Dublin. When when teams like Derry or Cork were going for the league or Drogheda were going for the league in 07, there was always this greater vibe that you could feel it in the town as soon as you as you arrived there when Sligo were going for the league uh, under under Barclough you got that same sort of sense 
But this time, no matter where you go, and that includes Dundalk, Dan, for me, no matter where you go, like on Thursday, seeing all the, 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 the minibuses filled with Derry fans arriving down at Tallis Stadium to go to a match on a Thursday night, go to work the next day after getting home about two, or two in the morning. Like, it is one thing fans turning up for a GA Championship match, which is basically at most four or five times a season. We've had 27 league games already this season, plus six games in Europe uh, for Derry, plus two FAI Cup games. And the places are selling out week after week after week. And every time you go to a game, you're getting this really, really good vibe, this positive vibe, this sense of community. This, And then that's the stuff off the pitch. On the pitch, the standard has never been higher. The quality of the coaches has never been higher either, in my view. You've got a lot of really young, innovative, tactically smart managers who are trying different things who are testing uh, their philosophies out on opposition coaches and it has become a really really intriguing league to watch and maybe there is a, a sense of hangover at Dundalk but why wouldn't there be because the guy who was in charge of them for the bulk of the last 10 years is probably the best League of Ireland manager that there, that's ever been. And he completely transformed the club and they went in this mad adventure and they did great things in Europe and they did great things uh, at home as well. He won four leagues, his successor won a fifth. It was an incredible decade. How can you follow that up? How can it be as good? Yeah. And yet, even though it hasn't been as good, they're still in the mix for the league. They're five points off. If they win on at the weekend, they're two points off the top of the title. So, or the top of the league. So it is, uh, for me, it has been an absolutely absorbing season. Yeah, no, listen, I, I'm enjoying the season. I think, it, look, I'm not sure if I'd agree with it all, every point there. I think with Dundalk, the issue is, I think some of the, certainly some of the, even the local reporting around the club is very downbeat for whatever reason. Um, but there's some good points within that. I think probably the club does need an injection of energy, um, in some departments, it's certainly like the facilities piece. We, we have another mailbag question about the Dock Stadium, which didn't get to it, but I mean, it's the obvious question. There's the owners are looking for investment. It needs, it needs something still. Um, but in saying that, it can turn very quickly, and maybe the cup is the thing for them. And um, you know, Daniel Kelly said people have been spoiled, and that's true. You know, like I think sometimes the environment there during games, you'd speak to people, players there. It's like, you know, people can be fairly cranky if they're, if they're not dominating a game after 30 minutes on a pitch that it's very hard to play good football on. So, um, but in saying that, the club probably, uh, I don't know, it, it feels like they're still trying to do things with a tight enough staff and, and uh, off the field in terms of like their the sort of building a buzz around the club. They can do more. And I think other clubs are, are doing more than them in that department. And that frustration will be felt, I think, by some people even at the club. But um, look, I think the league in general, I think the issue, I think the standard is decent, but the player drain is an issue. And I'm looking at Friday's fixtures, UCD St. Patrick's Athletic. As far as I know, Adam Murphy won't be there. Um, the Bristol City move um, is, is happening. Um, I don't think Adam Murphy was desperate to go. I've been reporting about this across the last week. Uh, very happy there, but has got a very good offer from, from Bristol City. And it's one of those ones. His contract is up at the end of the season. It's worth more money to Pats to sell him now. They don't want to sell him, but I think from what I hear, they've they've they're not standing in his way and they've been very supportive as well, too. Um, and this is the reality, uh, I suppose, Gary, that it's great that we're producing these players. Talk about Mason Melia's confidence. Um, the only slight frustration is these players come in, 
they become settled part of a side. You build a sort of a rapport with them. Um, but you know, these players they have a good 15, 20 games and they're gone. And that's that's hard. That is hard for people to grasp sometimes. And it, it can halt the momentum of teams when they just find they have a high achieving young team, but then Bows have been through it in recent years. You know, great team. They had a great run in Europe. Devoy, Danny Grant, I know he's back. You know, Georgie Kelly. Um, you can run through them and they're all picked apart. And that is a, a slight issue for product. Afalabi's been terrific, but there's going to be interest. And that's that's the slight problem. It's a huge problem. You've made a really good point there. And I can't I can't argue with, with any aspect of what you've said. It is an issue. Um, but ultimately the club will still be there. People support the club. Um so they will keep going. They will keep uh, that connection to their local community club. So that's that's the positive in all of that. The negative is without a doubt, you're building a team and all of a sudden it takes it takes years to build a team and it can take weeks to dismantle it. Yeah. And that is disheartening, not just for the manager, but also for the for the fans. They will you do when you're a fan of a club, you build a connection with the players and the longer they're there the deeper the connection if as you say somebody is emerging and after 15 or 20 games they're being prized away of course there's going to be disillusioned around that it's a disaster uh but unfortunately that's just the, that's that's the reality and that's that i can't see that ever changing dan i really can't no, because no, good no. a good young player will always get a more attractive financial offer from elsewhere and you know, finances dictate, money talks, players walk. Yeah. And sadly, that is, that's never going to change. Yeah, no, no. And post-Brexit, look, I mean, you know, some of these players are actually doing better than the players who went to Europe at 16, like these 18-year-olds in the league. They're actually better set up and that's a great selling point. Um, and there's going to be more of them. But unfortunately, like, yeah, you have a good year and just very tempting offers are going to come. But anyway, Friday's fixtures, UCD, Pats, I mean, that's probably the lowest key game in a way, Um, even though Pats have a, you know, the title charge going on for them. That's, I suppose, just got to pick up the win and move on. But as you've mentioned, Shamrock Rovers and Dock, 7.45, just to note, to tell the people, because it's on it's on TV, it's on RTE, Bowes, Derry. I think I'm going to go to that one. And it's a toss of a coin between what's, what's the best game to go to. But I think it's a, big, it's a massive game for Derry, this, I feel, and for Bowes. Um, probably disrespecting Bowes, but I feel for Derry after last week. And then draw the United Cork. Um. I mean, probably must win territory for Cork. The next two games against Strada and Sligo. Um, and yeah, I mean, they, they won on Monday. Uh, they've thrown in some new signings. They still seem to be trying to reach around to find some solutions midway through a season, which isn't ideal. But yeah, that's a massive game for them. And on Saturday, we've got Sligo Rovers against Shelburne. And then the first division fixtures, Friday, Bray Ronders, Waterford, got Galway United. Their coronation um, is, is, is imminent against Cove Ramblers. Treaty United against Kerry, Athlone Town against Waterford, and then uh, also on Friday, but eight o'clock, Finn Harps against Longford. Before we go, Gary, simple terms. Who wins the league? Who wins the cup? Thanks. Easy question. Um, right. Well, I don't know for either, so but I'm not going to sit in the fence. Give us your best. Your best, your best guess. Your best. I mean, like we listen. The it really, it really is a guess. It we really never is throw a bad guess. predictions back in people's faces. Johnny will tell yeah, you. Yeah, that's right. Never that's make fine. a bad listen. prediction. It never gets, it never gets brought up ever again. So I mean, I'm not saying your reputation is going to be, is going to be. At I don't have a Dan. Dan, I don't have a reputation. So well, that was the point. But uh, yes, give us your guesses. 
Right. Uh, oh, God. Right, I'm going to go Rovers for the league, uh, Pats for the cup. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's um, You'll notice that I haven't given any predictions at all. Um, but I... I don't blame you. I don't blame you for this league, Dan, because I don't think Dundalk will win it. Um, although Horgan, Hoban and Kelly is a potent... Is a potent front three now. So if the, this this Friday, this Friday will know about Dundalk. If Dundalk get a result this Friday, they stay in it. If they don't get a result, they're out of it really in terms of winning the league. Bose could, I would not rule out Bose, Derry, or Pats from winning the league, even though I've gone for Rovers. Um, and the reason I've gone for Rovers, they've got a four point lead, and they've a history of doing it. So I mean, it'd be stupid not to to predict them to do it. It is such a fascinating race. It's really really hard to. To make that call. Yeah, no, I think it's a tough one. I think Derry, the next two games away against Bowes, away against Dundalk, if they can get through that in contention, um, then they've got Rovers at home and their running isn't too bad. I really think they can have a run at this, but I also know it could look very silly. And it could be could be Afalabi, it could be that form striker, who knows? But listen. Yeah, um, and also Dan, look at look at Bowes, like seven, seven clean sheets in their last 13 games and a striker that's found form. Jesus, how do you how do you dismiss them as title you contenders? You can't. It's just I think they need to go away from home and grind out a couple of those results. Um, yeah. Home form has been excellent. Away form, just a couple of scratchy performances. They've started games slowly. Um, they've pulled it back at Daily Mount. Uh, I just wonder about going away, but we shall we shall see about that. I mean, will Gary Doyle be back this season on this show? Who knows? Probably depends on Johnny's holiday plans, which we can sometimes find out what they are. A very very short notice um but that is that is the gig that is the joy gary great to have you on we will be back thanks for having us man. as ever thanks to our sponsors collar and cuff future ticketing and our friends and rascals brewing get your trivia questions in and yeah enjoy your football and we will be back next week.